from cult heroes, the saints and the go-betweens, to national icons, Powderfinger, and international stars, Savage Garden. Brisbane has produced its share of great bands, but behind the music lay a ghost city of malice and corruption. Frisked routinely by the Bjelke-Peterson government's toughest enforcers, the police, Brisbane's musicians, radio announcers and political activists braved ignorance, harassment and often violence to be heard. Stay tuned today to hear some of the music and radio they made which defined an attitude and a counterculture with a subtropical flavour. 4ZZZ, which first broadcast in December 1975, is turning 40, and to celebrate, we are launching a new documentary series. We're telling stories of the world, of Australia, and of Brisbane in the last four decades through music, interviews, and sound clips from the 4ZZZ archive. To learn more about our worldly production team and to listen to extended interviews, visit us on SoundCloud. 4ZZZ Documentary. In the hour that follows, we'll play a selection of music from the 1970s, as well as a recording of an interview with the Ramones before one of their concerts in Brisbane in 1979. We start with a history of punk, so stay tuned to 4ZZZ. It's 1975 and in New York club CBGB's a band is about to hit the stage. Influenced by the raw and chaotic performances of 60s icons The Stooges and MC5, the Ramones invent their own brand of explosive music in the form of catchy three chord songs that only last two minutes long. The Ramones sound travels across the ocean to London, which is forming its own scene canoned by the Sex Pistols and their followers The Clash, The Slits, X-Ray Specs, Stiff Little Fingers, The Undertones, Susie and the Banshees and more. Australia. In a little place called Brisbane, similar things are afoot. The city is under the thumb of a highly conservative and corrupt government, and naturally, the young people of Brisbane are itching to rebel. We're inside a sweaty, crowded living room of a Petri Terrace squat, and a band called The Saints are spitting out antagonistic lyrics at us as the wailing sirens of police cars are getting closer. Influenced by the frenetic energy of British 50s and 60s garage bands, The Saints are considered to be the pioneers of Australian punk. 
Two years later, they end up migrating to the UK, but not without inspiring countless others to embrace this DIY, seditious ethic and run wild with it. The Leftovers, Radio Birdman, The Young Charlatans and The Riptides are just a few names from this early Ozpunk era. struck us about the, the Brisbane sound, if you like, when we came up here was the, it was really thin and it was, and it was really underproduced and there was something very exciting about that and uh, in particular, you know, it was the way they, that people would play their instruments, you know, they would, the guitars were just plugged straight into the air, there was, there was no um, gadgetry or anything like that, the guitar was usually out of tune. Um, Community radio station 4ZZZ is the backbone behind the independent and flourishing Brisbane music scene. To talk about Brisbane punk and not talk about 4ZZZ is like discussing the moon landing without mentioning Neil Armstrong. In pre-internet Brisbane, 4ZZZ has a huge influence on the underground music scene, helping the band's records to get heard, helping to organise and promote gigs, giving a voice to the marginalised and offering an alternative political perspective in the news. Z is your station. 4ZZZ. We want to appeal to your senses. Brisbane moves into the 80s. Bands leave, new bands emerge, post-punk is born and spawns a whole new group of bands that have a gloomier and more experimental sound. Bands like The Black Assassins, Zero, Public Execution, Mystery of Sixes and Lafettes perform a weirder breed of punk that is no less seditious as the BLK Peterson government is still as oppressive as ever. Punk changes its image and tune in the late 80s and early 90s and subdivides into many punk fusions like ska, rockabilly, grunge, skate punk and riot girl. Already established Brisbane punk bands develop new sounds to cater to the changing tastes of the music scene. Blowhard, Skeletones, The Dream Killers, Deputy Dipshit, The Disables, Mouthguard, Six Foot Hick and Gazunga Attack are just some of the names from that time. Must have been the rats. We had to dinner last night. It's a little song called Smoking in Bed.
And now to 2015. Punk is certainly not dead, just looks and sounds a little different. New genres have emerged, but still radiate that distinctively DIY, rebellious attitude which defines punk. There's a long list of punk bands who are active in Brisbane now, playing gigs in laundromats, in lounge rooms, or under the William Jolly Bridge. Bands like the Fine Japanese, Gunk, Undead Apes, Pastel Blaze, Goldstool, Hits, Bottlecock, Cannon, and Woodboot. And post-punk bands like Kitchen's Floor, Per Purpose, Sewers, Bent, Clag, Gerald Keeney and the Gerald Keenies. These days, new venues are popping up at almost the same rate as new bands. There's a house show on every other weekend. 4ZZZ continues to play interesting music which pushes boundaries and pushes buttons. You've only got to walk down West End's Boundary Street or delve into the seedier parts of the valley to find Brisbane punk. It's certainly flourishing and we can only wonder what the future will bring. Hopefully more bands who are just as snotty and weird as the pioneers before them. were an American punk rock band that formed in the New York City neighbourhood of Forest Hills, Queens in 1974. Many fans think of them as the first band to define what punk rock sounds like, a view that was shared by 4ZZZ announcers and listeners 40 years ago. The original four members of the band adopted pseudonyms ending with the surname Ramon, even though none of them were related. They performed 2,000 263 concerts, touring virtually non-stop for 22 years until they disbanded in 1996. 
A few of those concerts happen in Brisbane. And in the clip you are about to hear, you can listen to the Ramones being interviewed by 4 Z in 1979. The Ramones may have enjoyed only a modest commercial success, but who cares? They were a major influence on the 1970s punk movement in the USA, UK and in Australia too. Because there wasn't anything good since uh, you know, the early 70s. Like, I guess they, like maybe there's a trickle of good groups like uh, Slade and T-Rex and The Sweet, you know, Gary Glitter, people like that. And there hasn't been anything good since the 60s. And uh, like we like we like songs, like songs with melodies, three-minute songs, you know. And um, and what we were what we were hearing was like boring jams with, with half-hour guitar solos and and horrible lyrics and cr- you know crap, you know, real crap, you know. So we wanted to do something, you know. Like originally, I think we started playing for ourselves, you know, because we didn't really think um anybody would like what we were doing because our songs were very negative, you know. But every, but a lot of people liked it, and uh, and it was it was slow, like and then um more and more people came until um we'd fill the place, you know, we'd they'd pack them in like six seven hundred people, and then um press came down, Lisa Robinson, and then uh, Rolling Stone, and then English press, you know, and then word came out, and then we played London in the summer of '76 before we had our first album out. All the English groups, peop- before they were groups, so they were all waiting outside, like um. Members of the Sex Pistols and the Clash and the Dam, and um, they hadn't formed bands yet. And after we left, all the whole English thing erupted, and uh, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> like I think something maybe Australian people would be interested in knowing is what sort of problems American bands face when they're starting. Like the problems that we generally have are finding a good venue not being ripped off by people. Equipment seems to be an incredible problem. Nobody's got money to buy equipment. Are those the sort of problems that bands face when they just put stuff? Yeah, of course. Did you have to do all of that? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, like, yeah, you know, you, you do everything yourself and, you, you know. What we've done is with all the money we've made, we always put it back into the band. We never took, uh, you know, a sal- a cut. Like, you know, we take the money for ourselves. We'd always put it back into the group, you know. And and now we have a, you know we formed a corporation where we draw salary and stuff like that. Well, I was I was a bit surprised. Like you're really big in America, and I've only sort of just realised that by being here. And perhaps Rock and Roll High School, the movies helped that a bit. Is that what you always wanted? What sort of success did you want? Financial or popularity? Everything. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, we were bigger in Europe before we were bigger in America, but now America's caught up, you know, and we'll probably, I don't know if we're bigger here or bigger there, it don't matter, I just want to be big everywhere, you know, you just, you know, it's great if you can achieve, uh, you know, like, world success or something like that, you know. So you think the main sort of enjoyment or the main purpose of it is is just to have people enjoy the music or do you think it goes like I think you can take sort of an angry protest further than just saying this is shit house don't you you can sort of get people to do something about it yeah well people are doing something about it it's you know it's just uh it's it's kind of a slow process but things are definitely happening I mean even like uh 
the music business and radio stations and people in America are coming around. I mean, it, in England, it's a, it's a different story because um, it's a different culture and it's a different country and it's smaller. And it's and like um, America takes long because it's a bigger place and everything here is radio. And in Europe, they don't have that much radio except for um, a couple of special shows like uh, John Peel introduces all the new records once a week. And but there, it's all the, th the three trade papers, you know, Enemy and Sounds, and 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 people read about the groups there. Here, it's it's not that way at all. You know, you got They got to hear you on the radio to know you exist more or less. You know. The spot you've just heard is a promotion for a gig featuring the Ramones playing alongside Midnight Oil at Brisbane Festival Hall in students filtered into popular music in Australia with many bands forming on university campuses. One of the most well-known of these new acts was Midnight Oil, forming on the grounds of the University of Sydney. Mainstream success eluded them in their early years, with most radio stations seemingly uninterested in playing them. But this seems to have given them street cred among young politically aware listeners. Midnight Oil and similar bands like Red Gum from Adelaide developed a following through their live performances, which eventually translated into record sales. 
that was used and abused by Midnight Oil, telling a story of a young man that could easily have been about almost anyone from that time. This kind of music got big in the late 70s with Cold Chisel's hit song, K-San. The song tells of the aimless life of a soldier returned from the Vietnam War. Its references to sex and drugs earned a strict rating by the censors. It was a popular and much-loved song of the 1970s Australian rock and remains so today. Cigarettes to the black market man. I had the Vietnam cold turkey from the ocean to the silver city, and it's only other vets could understand. About the long forgotten dark side guarantees, how there were no V Day heroes in 1973, how we sat in a Sydney harbor. And the legal pants were yours 
the 70s is all about the attitude and only a little bit about the hair. So, what is it about the hair then? Grow your hair. Bad piece. Hair piece. Hair piece, bad piece. The lobby of the Hilton was crowded with all those journalism and I was privileged to go upstairs and to be in the room. And every hour, every half hour, uh, they had to answer the sa these same questions. The message is peace, you know, that you can protest against violence many ways and this is one. For eight hours a day, the Lennons meet the world, discuss their idea that one way to peace is to stay in bed and let your hair grow and reveal exactly why they picked on Amsterdam. If we did it in Paris, all they'd talk about was, oh, Monsieur Cromwell had a happening in 1930, you know? And they'd only see it in that light. Yeah. And in London, they'd say, oh, it's, it's the freaks again, you know? So we get more effect, we make, have more effect on Britain if we're abroad. The media interest in John and Yoko was huge, as it was in the rumours that the Beatles were splitting up. John and Yoko wanted to use that interest. People, of course, were sceptical. If the vast demonstrations in American cities and the campaigns of civil disobedience against the war in Vietnam weren't changing American foreign policy, the Lenins lying in bed for a week certainly weren't going to. But it was publicity, and journalists weren't going to miss the chance of getting up close to arguably the most famous Beatle of them all and his new bride. Two, one, two, three, four. We're not doing a Nixon come Queen of England come shake hands PR tour, you know. We're here to talk to the press, because the press and the TV are the communicating channels. As he holds forth, and one cannot doubt the sincerity or simplicity of his message, Yoko borrows his cigarette and looks even more radiant. Our meeting was really magic, and for instance, this uh, event that we're doing came about, I think, between this magical relationship somehow, you know, and it is really magical. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to imagine all the people living life in peace? i
stacked against the 1960s and tipped into the 70s, things changed. Music changed. The tone went from hopeful to disaffected, from wishful to articulate in its demands. Punk and peace lovers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bob Dylan. Come gather round people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times they are Privacize with your pen And keep your eyes wide The chance won't come again And don't speak too soon For the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming Was the loser now will be later to win For the times they are a-changing Senators, congressmen, please heed the call Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled The battle outside raging Will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are a-changing Mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand For the times they are a-changing
is drawn, the curse it is cast. The slow one now will later be fast as the present now will later be past. The order is rapidly fading, and the first one now will later be last. For the times they are changing. because, as he put it, it was a great place for me to learn and meet others who were on similar journeys. It was a time when people put each other up for nights or weeks at a time, slept on friends' floors, and it was also a time when one could live an exciting, adventurous life while being decently poor. Back then, Bob Dylan once recalled there wasn't any pressure. You know, I mean music people were like a bunch of cotton pickers. They see you on the side of the road picking cotton, but no one gives a shit. I mean, it wasn't that important. So, Washington Square was a place where people you knew or met congregate every Sunday, and it was like a world of music. There could be up to 15 jug bands, five bluegrass bands, and an old crummy string band. 20 Irish Confederate groups, a southern mountain band, folk singers of all kinds and colours singing John Henry work songs. Dylan entered the New York scene and started practising his craft, writing and singing songs of the luckless, the abandoned, the forsaked, as he put it, in Chimes of Freedom. He condemned the Ku Klux Klan in The Death of Emmett Till, and in The Masters of War he turned toward the Warmakers. And in Blowin' in the Wind, he created probably his most famous song, though Dylan once stated that he wrote that song just for himself and a few of his friends. In fact, this anti-racist, anti-nuclear war anthem, covered by everybody from Peter, Paul and Mary to Trini Lopez, is, in its deeper sense, a subtle plea for awareness. And just at the moment that Dylan had become identified as a folk and protest artist, he slipped away like Proteus. Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Isn't how many years can a mountain exist Before it is washed to the sea Isn't how many years can some people exist Before they're allowed to be free Isn't how many times can a man turn his head And pretend that he just doesn't see the answer my friend is blowing in the wind the answer is blowing in the wind yes and how many times must a man look up before 
He can see the sky. Yes, and how many ears must one man have before he can hear people cry? Yes, and how many deaths will it take till he knows that too many people have died? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. was not only politically important in Western countries, it was also big in the Middle East, particularly Iran. Western-style public concerts and music received a popularity boost with the arrival of cassettes from the 1960s, which meant that music could be carried around discreetly, an important consideration in conservative Islamic society. Culturally, the post-revolutionary period was an extraordinary time and for classic Iranian music, it was nothing short of rebirth. The movement was led by a number of mainly younger musicians, many of whom are still active performers and composers. But more, they weren't willing to follow tradition for its own sake and wanted to make classical music relevant to a contemporary audience. Bavar, there was a spirit of optimism surrounding this revival and opportunities for recording and live performance it all happened largely in spite of the official policy. While more moderate politicians cautiously welcomed the return to traditional culture, the conservative elements viewed even classical music as a potentially corrupting influence. New laws also limited women's public musical roles, which meant that they couldn't sing in a public. One of the big names of the time was Dariush Erbali. Dariush was born in Tehran on February 4, 1951. His musical talent was first recognized at the early age of nine when he appeared on stage at his school. He came to public attention at the age of 20 through Iranian television. He immediately became popular with his legendary song, Don't Tell Me You Love Me. His contemporary and unique style opened up a new era in Iranian music. He was also original in his criticism of the government and discussion of social issues. Thinking back to those days, he was famous for his looks as well as his point of view about issue of the time. Before the revolution, he was against the Shah and was put in jail. the regime change, he fled Iran when the new government gave him the choice to give up singing and stay in the country or face arrest. Personally, I didn't like him before, but after he gave up drugs and started helping others with drug addiction, I started to like him. I think 
some people felt that way too. The song you're about to hear is about modern love in Iran. It's about people who will lose their feeling, becoming emotionless and losing sight of friendship. It was written before the revolution in 1975 and seems to suggest the old way of living was even better. Oh, my God. 
لغات سفید برگا همیشه نه دشمنی نه دوستی هیچی نوشته نمیشه Surprisingly, neither Iranian nor any other foreign language music was heard on mainstream radio in Australia at the time. Which is not to say that no one knew about foreign music. In fact, many did. In the next episode of our special documentary series to celebrate 40 years of 4ZZZ, we travel the Overland Hippie Trail in search of Australia's youth culture in the 1970s. From Australia to Europe via Indonesia and the Middle East, we'll hear field recordings of Indonesian gamelans made by a 4ZZZ volunteer for a show called East Asian Ear in 1979, and we'll learn about the countercultural history of Lonely Planet travel guides. To learn more about our worldly production team and listen to extended interviews, visit us on SoundCloud, www.soundcloud.com forward slash 4ZZZ Documentary.